1: Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip. This episode, Group C, North Macedonia.
0: Today, we're travelling to Skopje, the capital of North Macedonia, to talk to Filip Zraveski about the national team's historic qualification for a first major tournament. Filip was the founding editor of the website macedonianfootball.com. He now works for Kaigana, country's biggest general website so he's the man to speak to about North Macedonia's participation in the Euros. For a lot of people North Macedonia will be the whipping boys, the rank outsiders. They're the first country to have benefited from UEFA's new qualifying system which has opened up this pathway through the playoffs for the lowest ranked countries in the nation's league and on paper they look by far the weakest team in the competition. But there's a lot more to North Macedonia than meets the eye. I spoke to Philip before the March World Cup qualifiers when they sprang a huge surprise by beating Germany 2-1 in Duisburg, a result that will give them a massive boost in confidence going into the tournament. And their veteran captain, Goran Pandeff is, is the man who gets a lot of the headlines because he scored the winning goal in the playoff final against Georgia that got them to the finals. But they've got some very good other players Elif Elmaz at Napoli Ennis Bardi is playing in La Liga for Levante Exian Aliowski of Leeds now I'm not saying they're going to do a Greece 2004 but they're arguably in the weakest group in the tournament with Holland Austria and Ukraine and as Germany found out North Macedonia are a tough nut to crack what's more as Filip points out their opening two games against Austria and Ukraine are being played in Bucharest So there's a strong possibility that a lot of Macedonians will travel overland through Serbia and Bulgaria to be there in the stadium with the team. So a lot to talk about with Philip. Grab some Tafsha grab beans, maybe a glass of rakia fruit brandy, stick in your headphones as we find out all about North Macedonia with Philip Zraevsky. So Philip, Macedonia's historic first qualification for a major tournament. What's the mood in the country at the moment? Are are people excited? Are they worried uh, that Macedonia might be heavily beaten at the Euros? Or are they just proud to be taking part in the competition? Uh,
1: Actually, we are very proud that we are uh, participating at the European Championship for the first time, for the very, very first time. Uh, We are not worried about the results. Even if we lose all three games, we will still be proud of the qualification of the first historic participation at the Continental Championship because in football, we've never been anywhere except for one time uh, Vardar, our uh, best uh, historical club qualified for the group stage of the Europa League. And believe it or not, that is our biggest football success. So You can imagine what, uh, what this qualification means. To a small nation like us, sure. And uh, take us back to that game
0: in Tbilisi. Uh, what was the mood and the feeling going into that game? Because it had been a strange qualifying campaign, hadn't it? Because you uh, had to play against, you had to play a certain style against the big teams like Poland and, and Austria, but then you had a chance against the teams like like uh, Georgia and, and 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 others in the Nations League. So, what was what was the mood? Ahead of that game, did you did you think you could win in Georgia, an away game, even though there were no fans
1: there? Uh, well, we always uh, saw Georgia as as a big team, because uh, we have seen them play in the last uh, qualifying cycle, and I can say that they are a pretty tough team to beat, especially when they're playing at home. You can win, but it will be pretty tough. So we always considered them as a as something like. Uh, Near Poland, maybe not not uh, the same uh, football as Austria plays because Austria is very quick, Georgians are more like lethargic. And yes, we, we believe that we can win, but we knew that uh, it would be a, a very tough, tough game. And uh, I can say that uh, the fans were very disappointed with this uh, situation of the coronavirus pandemic that uh, they could not travel and and watch the game live because that is uh, a football experience that uh, it's, it is maybe, maybe it's happening once in a lifetime, especially for a small football league nation uh, like ours. The game
0: in Tbilisi uh, was a, a, a really good game plan from, from the coach Igor Angolovsky, wasn't it? Tell us a little bit about Angolovsky because he, he took over at a low point for the team and he's gradually improved things. How has he done that? And what's the situation with his contract? Because his contract ran out at the end of last year, but he's agreed a six-month deal until the Euros. Does that mean there's a little bit of tension and any problems with the the federation uh, and and
1: himself? now is now ninth year as a coach. I think he took over in uh, 2012. Uh, So the coach, uh, Igor Angelowski, has been uh, for a while national team coach. And uh, he was uh, the ideal candidate of uh, the previous management at the football federation. Meanwhile, there were some changes at the at the top of our football federation. So I guess that uh, they they decided to to go with with someone else. That's why they they offered him a short-term contract. But uh, they could not uh, appoint a new coach at this moment, probably because he took Macedonia to the to the historic participation in the Continental Championship and uh, it's not easy to, to replace someone with, when he's uh, at his prime. So I guess the, that was the reason why, why they gave him a six-month contract until the end of the Euro. Because I believe that his contract is July 31st, not June. So maybe they believe that uh, he will go far with the national team. <laughs> How <laughs> about his uh, formation and tactics at the, the final playoff in Tbilisi? Well, he used his uh, uh, formation with three defenders and four midfielders, one attacking midfielder and uh, two strikers. In recent uh, games, he uses these tactics, so, uh, although his preferred formation used to be with four defenders. So he's like changing from match to match. We will see at the Euros uh, what he will use. I, I think depending on the opponents, sure. against Austria, for example, our opening match, I think he will go with uh, with four defenders in the back because uh, last time we played Austria at home, it wasn't very very good for us. We we let in four four goals. Sure. Well, let's let's talk about the tactics
0: in, in a minute. I want to go back to the the game in Tbilisi. The winning goal, the only goal of of the game, was scored by by Goran Pandev. The, the captain uh, and, and and the veteran striker who he, he left the team, didn't he? Retired a few years ago and then was persuaded to come back to the team by Angolovsky. Can you tell us what happened with, with Pandev? And is he still the most important player in the team? Or, I mean, everyone likes to focus on him, but
1: are there other players as well who are, who are just as important? Uh, definitely Pandev is the, is the most important team. Well, he... His influence in the team is huge. There are other players who are good as well. And maybe in the future, some of them will be better uh, than what Pandef is today. But at this moment, Pandef has a huge impact and influence in the team. Because everyone sees him as uh, some football god here. So definitely, he's still, despite his age. And I can say that uh, everyone in Macedonia hopes that he will once again postpone his retirement because he said he will retire after the Euro. Yeah, and you mentioned um, the under-21
0: team that qualified for the European Championship a few years ago in 2017, the first time Macedonia qualified for for a, a major tournament. Those under 21 players um, have come through as well, haven't they? And you mentioned, you mentioned the coach who, who is a possibility to, to take over from Angolowski, but players like Ennis Bardi, uh, lgf Elmas, they're, they're the key new generation, aren't they,
1: that, 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 um, that are likely to come through. Yes, and uh, not just two of them, also Darko Velkovsky and Wieser uh, Musliu. They were also part of the under-21 national team that uh, went to play at the under-21 Euro. Uh, yes, this uh, new generation that uh, took Macedonia to the Continental Tournament is more uh, thankfully to those youth players that came out from the under-21. Because without them still uh, Angeloski was in charge and uh, Macedonia had like shaky results sometimes win then two losses and not not very good and attractive play this now is a whole different team and, and what about the pool of players that he
0: has uh, is it quite, it's still quite a small group of players that he has to choose from isn't it some are still playing in Macedonia but most of the squad are playing around Europe. What sort of countries are we talking about in terms of the key players? Elmas is in in Italy with Napoli, and as long as 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 well as Pandev. But what sort of
1: countries are are, are the players playing their club football in? Angelowski prefers to stick with a small group of players. It's not uh, it's not like that. Uh, there is no other option. Uh, but. I don't know why he, he chooses only, even when back in uh, November and October, when we had uh, three back-to-back matches, he, he was calling up only 23, 24 players, not more. like I remember the Italian coach called 30-plus uh, players. Yeah. Our coach didn't even add some, some of those who are close to the national team. So we have a small group of players because that's a coach decision. We, we can add some other players that are well-qualified to be at least on the bench. I'm not speaking about in the first 11. When, when it comes to the clubs where our, our players play, yes, we have only a few that play in, in good clubs, like Nestorovsky, Tudinese, Pandev at Genoa, Elmas Napoli, then Alioski who is at uh, Leeds United. I can also include here Ariana Demi, who is at uh, Dinamo. The, the Croatian club. Also, Stefan Ristovsky, the the right defender, went there this uh, winter. So, uh, Enis Bardi at the Levante, of course. So, pretty much we have a few decent clubs that our players play in, but also there is uh, uh, Exon Betulai, who is uh, captaining the current uh, table leaders in Macedonia, Ashkandia. And he's usually usually the the first choice from the bench when when Uh, someone has to step in so I can include him here in the list then Boban Nikolov also he's playing like a central or defensive midfielder he made the transfer from Hungary to to Lecce in Serie B this this winter so we will see maybe after the Euro some other players will make transfers yeah more decent clubs
0: Sure. I want to talk a little bit more about the tactics. And, and we, we mentioned that a little bit earlier, but let's um, let's just take a quick break. Right. Back talking with Philip about Macedonia, North Macedonia. You mentioned Angelovsky's change in formation from the back four to a back three. Have there been times in the qualifying campaign when he plays a back four and sometimes plays a back
1: three? What do you think will be his formation at the Euros? Yes, uh, in recent games, he's, he's often changing the formation. For example, the two playoff matches, the semifinal against Kosovo and the final against Georgia, he played with three defenders in the back line. While in the Nations League, the matches that were in between these playoffs, he played with four defenders. So he's changing depending on the available players because uh, we had some problems with um, injuries not so much with the COVID-positive players, but injuries and yellow cards, red cards, suspensions. So he a bit unpredictable when it comes to this formation. It, it can vary from four defenders to three defenders and then to, to uh, two attackers and one attacker. But I think it depends mostly of the players that he has in that moment and also on the opponent he's facing. Like I said earlier, against Austria, I think he will he will go with with four defenders and um, maybe against Ukraine with three. Only my opinion, but we will see. Yeah, and and and, it, and if he's playing a, a very
0: defensive game, where is the creativity going to come from in the team? Who are the guys who are going to create the chances? Because um, it, it's a very defensive mindset to to stop the opposition, but where, where's the creativity come from?
1: Well, uh, when we are taking the ball, first uh, you have to know that in the back line, a central defender, we have a player who used to be a midfielder. That is uh, Darko Velkowski. He started playing senior football from the age of 16 in in Robotnicki from Skopje. And he was a creator in the defense, in the the midfield, sorry. Uh, So usually he takes the ball and then there is uh, ariadna ademi in the midfield who is a player with uh, huge capabilities in technique in, in vision and those two guys can can easily make the the entire creativity in the in the midfield despite Velkovsky is a central defender he often goes goes a bit uh, up and then there is uh, ennis bardi who when not playing as a, as attacking midfielder he is also in central de- in central midfielder so he, he combines with with Ademi even Elmas sometimes uh, goes in the midfield. So uh, this generation doesn't have uh, many problems with the with the creativity. Earlier generations of Macedonian national team football had this very big problem, that is the creativity. Creativity, but now and uh, with Angelovski in charge, luckily for us, we don't have this problem. And where does where does Pandev
0: fit into this? Because he, you know, he's just—he's—he's he's always been a forward, a centre forward, but he's obviously getting a lot older and close to retirement. And he plays—he tends to play as the second striker, or in the in in a four-two-three-one, he'll play in the in the centre of the three behind the one. Is that is that fair to say?
1: Yes, actually, believe it or not, even despite his age, Pandev plays in various positions in our front line. He plays as a striker. As a second striker, and uh, I've seen him play as a attacking midfielder, even 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 as in that position. So yeah, he he has many many options
0: to fill in. Who would be the main striker then? But if Pandev's playing in a few different roles, he's not he's not an, an out and out centre forward. Would it be Nes- Nestorovsky who would yes. be the the yes. main the main striker? There's other options as well, though, aren't there? Uh,
1: yes, but uh, at this moment, Nestorovsky is the number one striker if, uh, if Pandev is not playing as a lone striker. There is uh, Trichkovsky as well, who is playing in Cyprus. Trykovsky is having a bit uh, problems in Majorca, because he's, uh, he's a bench one, one, uh, warmer, unfortunately. So, yes, uh, Nestorovsky is definitely our number one striker in this moment. And what about the, the, the fullbacks?
0: Looking at some of the games, the fullbacks seem to be crucial to the, to the formation. You mentioned Ristovsky who's just moved to, to Dinamo Zagreb to, to play alongside Ademi uh, in Croatia. Um, he's, he's the right-back. Aljovski, who's been playing at, at, as a left-back at Leeds, um, having previously been a, a winger. But is, is it important for the team that you have these guys who are quite attack-minded as full-backs and that they can create uh, help to create
1: chances? Yes, uh, they are a very important part of the team because... Uh... Their task is to play as wingers and also as uh, right uh, and left backs. They have this uh, double task. They are very important for the team, for the attack and for the defense. For example, in a formation with uh, two central defenders, Ristovsky and Talioski are uh, playing a bit more defensively, but still going going up front. And in a formation with uh, three defenders, these guys are like uh, right and left midfielders, still going up and down. So they're, they're always tireless and uh, players who they give more their, their, than the others because they run a lot. They're they're very important.
0: Enes Bardi as well, we mentioned uh, playing for Levante in Spain. His free kicks are important as well, aren't they? He's the main guy for, for set pieces. Is that right? If I
1: remember well, so far he has scored one free kick for for the national team but we're always expecting like we we have a free kick which is in in a close range to the goal and we're we're like okay now bardi will will step in and we'll see a goal but recently that doesn't happen we hope maybe at the euro he'll, sure. he'll score some some good goal we mentioned uh
0: Ademi, as well, Arian Ademi at at Dinamo, who's the the, the captain at at Dinamo Zagreb, doing very well in the Croatian League. And he's an interesting character, isn't he? Because he was born in Croatia. Is that right? Um, Yes. And he was called up by Croatia, but didn't make the World Cup squad the last time around. And he's opted to play for Macedonia. Um, And so that's a big statement, isn't it? For him to say, uh, to choose Macedonia over the. The, the country of
1: his of his parents. Actually, his parents are from Macedonia. Right. They they moved to Croatia. He he was born there. He I think he decided to play for Macedonia because Croatia was ignoring him. He he probably thought that he he deserves a place. Uh, like you said, he was not selected for the World Cup. And probably at that point, he said, "Okay, this is enough. I want to play for a national team when, where I will be guaranteed the place." and uh, looking at his qualities in Macedonia, he can easily have a place. I don't know if he, he made the right decision because uh, since that moment, okay, from from this point of view, there was the the two-year suspension. So probably he made the right decision.
0: Sure, he because, was suspended for, for, a, drug, yes,
1: for uh, a, yes. a,
0: a positive drug test. Yeah, yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, I don't know to this day if that was uh, right or wrong if he did took something or it was by mistake. I don't know, maybe we will never find out. Mm. But still he, he came back he came back stronger and here it is. He will uh, make his dream come true, play at a major continental tournament.
0: Sure. And and, and Ademi is, is playing regularly for, for Dinamo Zagreb. Um, yes. But are there, are there any players that you're worried about that aren't playing for their clubs and, and, and will go into the tournament with with um maybe worries about their fitness and, 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 and their sharpness? I mentioned earlier
1: Ristovsky, who moved to Dinamo. He was at Sporting, where, where he had some issues with the, with the coach, and he was not playing uh, any football since, since late August, I think. Uh, but, okay, he, he is now settled in Dinamo. He started playing. Then uh, Nestorovsky at Udinese, he, he doesn't get many playing time. He has two goals scored this season, and, but no, not, not, very, not uh, many minutes on the field. And a striker needs, needs to play to score goals.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you think Angelowski will stick with the players that he has. He doesn't like to, to call in new players. Are, are there any players that the media and the fans and the public in Macedonia would like to see in the squad who aren't there? are there at the moment? Or is, has Angelowski got his his squad, his, his twenty three players already
1: decided? He he loves to stick with uh, those, uh, let's say twenty to twenty five players. I don't think he has the the full squad of twenty three players right now. I think he he has some sixteen players that are uh, sure for for the Euros, and uh, the public mostly. Says that uh, a striker from uh, who is playing in Turkey is missing, that is uh, Adis Jakovic. Although I, I think that he's not uh, in the national team by, by his fault, not by the coach, because earlier he, he made some incidents in the national team. And when you have a player with a difficult character and having a coach who wants discipline and who wants team spirit, I think it's obvious why, why he is not calling him up. And also the public demands changes in the, in the reserve goalkeepers. Because currently with uh, Stole Dimitrievsky, we have a great keeper as a starting between the posts. But when it comes to his uh, substitutions, I don't know what to say. But uh, there are maybe some, some better choices. So the
0: backup keepers are not of the standard that you, you would hope for a tournament?
1: Yes, yes. That's the point. And if if Dimitrievski is uh, healthy and uh, not suspended for any game, then it doesn't matter who is the, on the bench. But if something happens, then I understand why most of the fans are worried. Right.
0: Okay. Now I wanted to talk um, a little bit more about just generally about Macedonian football. Let's just take another quick break. Back talking uh, to, to Philip about uh, Macedonia. We have to talk about a little bit about politics and, and nationality. I know it's it's a controversial subject, but can you, can you explain in, in just simple terms, a little bit of background about the name, North Macedonia, previously FYR Macedonia, former Yugoslav Republic. There is a song that the players sing. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the name of the song, but the translation is, we have one name or one name we have. Is that because there's a, a strong attachment to the name of Macedonia? And what's the? Can you explain without being too controversial about the history with Greece and and
1: everything else to do with the name? Well, uh, Greece has always said you're not the real Macedonians, and we've said yes, we are. That's the problem. (laughs) Yeah. By the real Macedonians, I mean those Macedonians from the time of Alexander the Great.
0: Yeah. So this is this is a dispute that goes back centuries. Yeah. Yes. And is it fair to say that Greece, Greece, were not happy when when the country was called
1: FYR Macedonia?
0: Yes, and because uh, they they
1: wanted to we to erase the name Macedonia for, <laughs> forever, not to use it at all.
0: Yeah, they're, yeah.
1: they're still not happy.
0: But they, are they they would they are happier now that you're called North Macedonia. Is that is that fair, or is that was who, who whose choice was it to, to rename the country North Macedonia? Because there was a a referendum, wasn't there?
1: Uh, yes, there was a referendum, but uh, was an unsuccessful referendum because the turnout was like thirty-six uh, percent, if I remember well, thirty and something. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. But so it was not successful. But de- despite that, our government uh, changed the name. So don't be surprised where, when, on in the European Championship, if there are fans allowed at the stadium, you see only. Uh, banners and uh, all those things with only Macedonia without uh, the north part because only few people here like the the new name only under the government
0: (laughs) sure and and so who would be the main rivals local rivals because i mean we mentioned greece but it it strikes me that bulgaria are, are close rivals and and that macedonians were very very pleased that only they in Croatia, from the former Yugoslav Republic, have qualified for the Euros. So a lot of other local rivals will be watching the Euros um, from the sidelines.
1: Yes, of course. We are glad that we are the only ones uh, besides Croatia who is at the European Championship. But uh, in football, I don't know, we, we've never seen uh, our neighbours as some rivals because we, we've played only a few times. For example, uh, against Greece, we've never played, even, even even in a friendly. Against Bulgaria, we've only played uh, friendly matches. Against Serbia, few competitive. And yes, I can say that uh, all all those matches against the former teams of Yugoslavia, uh, the national teams of former Yugoslavia, are something like uh, rivalries for us. Although in recent years, it's, this maybe, maybe will be a bit strange, but for me, our biggest rival is uh, Armenia. Oh, really? Yes, because when there is a draw, it's always Armenia and Macedonia in the same group. Sure. So in recent years, we've played like, I don't know, six, eight matches. Yeah. Too many. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and what about the, the, the situation in domestic football? in terms of the finances of, of domestic football? Because the Macedonian Federation are going to earn a lot of money from the Euros, you know, in terms of prize money. Obviously, some of that money goes to the players and the coaching staff. But I guess there's also a hope that some of that money is going to go and be invested in, in domestic Macedonian football. Is that is that the hope that that will happen? Or are you worried that also the money could go somewhere
1: and disappear before it's actually spent? First, we hope uh, the money will be spent here in Macedonia for the infrastructure, because I don't know if uh, you or many of uh, the viewers have visited a football match in Macedonia, not just at the main stadium. All the the stadiums around the Republic are in very poor condition. And in recent years, the Football Federation, together with uh, UEFA, started doing some renovations and uh, building new new stands on various stadiums. I hope that will continue. I also hope that uh, the federation will have helped the, the clubs who are, despite this uh, pandemic, they, they were already in a bad financial situation because uh, our domestic football is not really popular and uh, only few sponsors like to, to invest and to, to throw their, their money into our football to, to make something good out of it. Uh, but also there is this concern that there are some people in the federation that may want to do something with the money. I don't know, there was uh, recently some some stories that the money from qualification that Macedonia got for just for, for making it to the Euros, there were some rumors that uh, they were not spent. Well, the prizes, the prize money I'm, I'm talking about. But I don't really know because nothing was confirmed. Maybe it was just a rumor because uh, uh, we have to have in mind that uh, this 2021 is a year when the Football Federation is choosing uh, a new president. Just lastly, what do you think? We talked, you talked about the games in Bucharest,
0: obviously in Amsterdam as well, games against uh, Austria, Ukraine, and Holland, a tough group. What's your prediction? For how Macedonia will, will do and, and what, will be,
1: what will be a good outcome for, for the country? I, I hope that we can maybe win a game. Why not? I remember uh, Albania when they, they played uh, on the last Euro, also a debut uh, appearance for them. They managed to, to beat Romania in the last game. Now I, I think Austria plays uh, a kind of football that is, that is not uh, uh, very suitable to us. So I don't see some positive result out of that match. Maybe maximum a draw. But I think our chance is Ukraine. I can I can see us uh, taking a win here, there. And in the last match against the Netherlands, if Netherlands are already with six points, why not a draw? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a possibility. It's
0: a possibility. Um, Philip, thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciated finding out bit more about North Macedonia and uh, the chances that you think they have uh, in, in the summer. I hope that one at some stage we can meet up in a stadium full of fans, um, it's, it's looking possible, not definite, but I hope at some stage that that will happen. So, thank you so much for your time, uh, I really appreciate it and, and all the best for, for this summer's tournament. Thank
1: you, uh, I, it was my pleasure to take uh, part of this, uh, this podcast. And uh, good luck also to your national team at the Euros and maybe see each other at the Euros. Why not?
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you liked it and you want to find out more, there's a new podcast with a different journalist from every single country competing in this summer's European Championship. You can find them all wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow this show so you know whenever I release a new episode. And you can find out more great sports podcasts on the Sports Social Podcast Network, just head to sport-social.co.uk.
1: Gavin Hamilton's Euro Road Trip. Follow and subscribe now so you never miss an episode. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.